Hi friend, welcome to Valley and View. I'm Betsy and I'm so glad you're joining us for today's conversation. Today, our in-house comedian and Earth advocate, Mallory, is providing a special edition Saturday episode just for Earth Day. Alternate intro, I'm a real human with a real full-time job behind this mic, and I just didn't get editing done in time for our regular Thursday release. But hey, now you have a pod to listen to while you're taking your Earth Day hike or paddle or whatever else you're doing outside today. Glad that's off my chest. Roll the disclaimer. The conversations you're about to hear are based on our personal experiences and relationships. We hope you hear something in these conversations that spark an idea, an emotion, or even breakthrough in some way. But please, do not take our words as gospel truth. That can only be found in one place. So let these conversations enter your hearts and minds, but let the Lord speak to you in ways that only He can. All right, you ready? Let's go. She's back. The I'm one, back. The only Mallory Brussels sprout. <laughs> I think I told you, but I had so many comments on the Brussels sprout comment. My brother, the Brussels sprout, and it just really tickled me and everyone else. I didn't realize that I was a comedian. A comedian, such a jokester. So. You are. You have any wow. jokes for us tonight? Oh man. Um, well, can I tell you my favorite joke? Yeah. Um, what do you call it when Batman leaves church early? Oh, no. Christian Bale. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, I have another, I have another Christian related one. Okay. Um, my grandma was tickled by this one. Okay. Um, what do you call a nun who sleepwalks? A nun who sleepwalks. Sleepy, I don't know. A Roman Catholic? That's all I have. You're, all you're right. Good night, everybody. <laughs> your stand-up act, 30 seconds. That's it. It's That's great. all they need. What mm-hmm. your grandma would like that one. Isn't didn't my family's Catholic? Catholic? Yeah, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is she still a practicing Catholic? Um, yes. Yeah, my, my mom's mom is still a yeah. Yeah. Catholic what, woman. What's the difference there? Like, I mean, I know basic general things of being Catholic and like the religion, but from your perspective growing up, transitioning from catholic to non-catholic betsy that's a whole nother podcast okay sorry sorry (laughs) so much um just like number one thing and we'll talk about it another time so and as betsy says these are my personal experiences here but one of the things that i so the catholic church is really traditional Mm -hmm. Um, which is really beautiful that there are so many traditions that have like stayed alive since literally the apostles, like Peter was the first Pope and that, you know, popes are still something that is a tradition that carries on today. And there's so much like really rich tradition, but I think that like where I, um, don't really vibe with Catholicism Mm -hmm. is that. that's not how I feel most connected to Jesus. And so there's a big relational aspect of Catholicism that like isn't really hitting the mark for me where like when you go, like where it's like, well, we don't need the priest to intercede for us because Mm -hmm. Jesus does that. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't need to confess my sins to a white man behind a curtain because like I have a relationship with Jesus. Um, so that's like my, my critique of the Catholic church that I 
feel like it sometimes it's a little too strict for yeah. my liking but that also may have been like the actual catholic church that i right. experienced you know other catholic churches might not be that way or some are some aren't it's probably a whole spectrum of how people interpret catholicism but mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a lot yeah it's a lot more i mean and it's there is a formula to Catholic masses where you do a reading from the Old Testament, then you sing this song, then you do a reading from the New Testament, then you sing this song, then you do a gospel reading, then you sing this song, then you stand up, hold hands, say this prayer, sit down, blah, blah, blah. Like it's mm-hmm. like, it's so f- formula where for most of my life going to Catholic church, I knew. I just knew the words to say, but I didn't know what they meant. And so there was so much that I was just doing because it was what you did at church. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand why. But that's also part of being like six. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like the age six yeah. is what you said. Yeah. Six. Uh-huh. Six. Yeah. Um, well, I have so many questions about that. So yeah, another episode, another Maybe time. Maybe we'll circle back for that one. Yeah. I yeah. mm-hmm. would love, because I've never, well, we've never talked about it. And because there's so much about the Catholic church that I admire and disagree with and Mm -hmm. i think you could say that about most denominations right Um, or any church in general also i grew up in the midwest so like it's like catholicism is way more common there than it is in the bible belt Mm -hmm. so just you know different strokes for different folks (laughs) the comedian she's back (laughs) Well, what else have you been doing recently besides talking about your Catholic days? That's just know. a general what, oh, question. Oh, okay. I thought you like, wait, is she leading? Like, I mean, is she tracking asking. now? Um, we just had some really lovely weather in North Carolina. Oh, we did. you done anything fun? Yeah. Um, I led a paddle trip for work. That was Love so that. fun. It was a sunset. Adult learned to paddle. We had a great little time. Yeah. Um, hanging out on Jordan Lake, my BFF. <laughs> Love him. Um, <laughs> we spend a lot of quality time together. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also training for a half marathon. Did I tell you that? So Wait, no. I hit, a, I hit a little nine mile run on Sunday Casual. and my legs are still a little bit jello-y, yeah. but that's okay. A full marathon. No. Wait, um, you said half. Half Sorry, marathon. Was... Full marathons are crazy. Yeah, 26. Something. I'm not I'm Half not, is 13? 13, yeah. Okay. I will, I mean, never say never, but I will probably <laughs> never run a marathon. That's not in the cards for me. That That is a long time so and a long. lot of miles and a lot of, like, in my mind, when I hear marathon, I think of the people so close to the finish line who are, like, have collapsed and they're just yeah. crawling, trying to make it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think god designed our bodies to run that far for so long and then even on top of that people do what are those things called it's like ultra marathons or wild yeah for what reason i don't know i guess if you love running yeah like and i mean different athletes are capable of different things but my my legs don't want to go that far my legs don't want to go a mile oh well (laughs) they could they your legs will carry you a mile. They would. They would. I actually did. I have done a few 5Ks in my time, and I even did a 10K Well, did time. you know that there is a race coming up in Saxe 
on the island. It's a Earth Day race. It's April 22nd. And see, I would, no, I did see that. I'm not sure if it's a 5K or if it's like a one mile or something. Because that trail that goes around that state it's park. It's about a mile. Is, yeah, not far. So I don't know if you will look into it. But I would do that. I would do that. But yeah. I would walk it. I'm not trying to run. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> there was a time in my life, I was like at least three or four times a week, I was running. Um, but not anymore. The last time I tried to do it, it just did not did not vibe well with my 30-year-old body. That's okay. I get, my knees hurt, my back hurt for days, and it's just, we'll find some other other ways to exercise. But So you've been paddling and running and all kinds of things. What's mm-hmm. your favorite outdoor activity? Do you have a favorite? Wow. Just You're going like, to make me choose? Yeah. You're outside a lot. I'm outside a lot. If you could only pick one for the rest of your life. Oh my God, that's so hard. Just one. Just because part of me, so I have two that would jump out. Okay. Two, you know, front runners. And that would be hiking or running. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm inclined to say hiking because I love to hike. I love hiking in the mountains. I mean, you could call a walk down a trail right. a hike. Like, but... I think I've, my body would be really sad without running. But maybe I say that my 25-year-old body says that. And right. down Catch the road. Catch you in five years. Yeah, but if I could never run again, that would be really traumatic for me. Yeah. So I might pick running. Forever. That's your one thing. Yeah, because... Even let's when say you're I, 80? I could do it. <laughs> if anyone. If anyone, you could. Um, I think I would pick running because, yeah, I'd have to. Oh, whoa this is I mean this is mm, you're making my head spin because (laughs) wow well good thing we don't have to pick you don't actually have to pick yeah no but I would pick I actually if I really thought about it and thought about the longevity of my body here I would probably I'd probably yeah make a pro and con list color code it all that you know I'd probably pick hiking okay I think Mm -hmm. I would too I think you have more opportunities variety for mm-hmm. yeah variety you can do it at any age mm-hmm. any level mm-hmm. easy moderate hard difficult um and I just have all of my best stories are hiking stories mm-hmm. or backpacking which I would it's hiking um do you have any good hiking stories okay why well, you think I'll you, tell you yeah mine. you start mm-hmm. uh oh wait I just remember though Sarah already told this one my best hiking story is when we got stranded on top of Rome Mountain without any food. If you want to listen to that story, go listen to episode five, I believe, with Sarah and Christian. I won't retell that one. That's a good one. Um, I have a lot of good stories with Stephanie. Okay, I'm just going to tell one that I did with Steph because we've done a lot of hiking together. Like, I have, like, people that I hike with. Like, you and I have never hiked together. And why Why is that? That's just absurd. We (laughs) did schedule a hike. We do. Um, But most of my hiking stories include Stephanie, like us together hiking the AT, or me, Christian, Sarah, and our friend Tyler. Um, But I will tell you a Stephanie story because ours are honestly just wild. Um, But Stephanie and I together have done a lot of like sections of the AT. And we've specifically done the Southern Terminus at Springer Mountain in Georgia and the Northern Terminus at Mount Katahdin in Maine. Um, 
And so Springer Mountain wasn't anything to write home about. Like, it was it was fine. Like, we did it. We backpacked along the way and whatever. It was fine. No tragedies there. Actually, I think that was Stephanie and I's first trip that we didn't have any tragedies on the trail. Um, but when we hiked the Northern Terminus in Maine, um, we did the Northern Terminus before we did the Southern Terminus. And Mount Katahdin, I think it was like five miles from start to finish and back. Um, and everything we read said, it's going to take you 12 to 14 hours. And I'm like, there is no possible way. Like it's five (laughs) miles. How is it going to take that long? There's no way. And so everything we read said, you need to start super early in the morning. Um, and so we started, I think like by six 30 or seven, the sun was already up and first mile. Great. It's just like trucking through the woods. I mean, it's a pretty steep incline. And then after the first mile, like you come out of the trees and like you're above the tree line and it's just boulders, like rocks, boulders. Um, and we, we get going and we went like half a mile in an hour and I'm like, Oh, okay. This makes sense. why it would take so long. And so we're like climbing this and I wish I, had, I could post a picture. Um, because like, I looked like a peanut on this boulder climbing. Um, and so we're going, we're going, we finally get to the top and it's cloudy and you know, everybody gets to the top and takes their picture with like the Mount Katahdin sign. And so we're at the top and, um, along the way there were all these, like, they weren't mosquitoes, they weren't gnats, but there's some kind of black fly situation up there that in all of my reading, I'd never read about. Um, but they were like killing me like biting my neck and my leg and I'm just so prone to bug bites anyway like you are too Mm -hmm. right when we worked at camp together like you had that stick Benadryl Mm -hmm. stick all the time yeah um so I I just get like bug bites really easily and I mean they were just absolutely killing me like my neck was completely bitten and then on top of that not the flies but something stung me on both of my legs and so I get to the top I'm like oh my gosh like I might die up here And I was, you know, didn't really tell Stephanie about it, but like, she was like, girl, you definitely have all these bites on your neck. And so at the top, we're eating our lunch. It was like PB and J or something. And so as as I'm eating it and I'm trying to swallow the sandwich, like it's very difficult for me to swallow. And I'm like, it must be the elevation, the peanut butter, super sticky. And I only ate like half of it and put it away. Okay. So we get up there, we eat lunch, take a picture with the Mount Katahdin sign. You can't see anything. It's so cloudy. So big disappointment there. So we're like, well, might as well turn around and head back down. And so we're hiking down and, um, along the way we stopped, uh, there were us, all these people and they had some type of like insect cream or something. And so I went up to them and I was dying and I was like, Hey, can I borrow some of that? And they looked at me and then they just gave it to me and didn't say anything. I'm like, thanks. Like they didn't speak any words. And then I looked at it, it was in a whole different language, like whatever the cream was. I'm like, you know what? Full sin. I'm, I'm going to die from these bug bites or from this cream. I don't know. I'm going to put it on anyways. So I put it like all over my neck. I like lathered myself in this cream and we're like hiking on and um, my everything is swollen and we stopped. Stephanie... I forget what her condition is, but she has to have salty food when she hikes like every couple hours. And so we call that stopping for a salty. So she stopped for a salty. And so we're like sitting there, I'm eating like Cheez-Its or something. And as I'm eating like the salt, I guess, I don't know, but like it was even worse than the peanut butter. And I looked at Stephanie, I was like, Stephanie, I can't breathe. (laughs) 
I was like, I am not able to swallow this. And I think my throat is closing up. And she was like, what? I said, you heard me. My throat is closing up. We're on the side of this mountain and we're a good two and a half miles from the bottom. And she was like, you're the one who's CPR and first aid certified. And I'm like, I know, but like, if anything goes down, like, here's what I need you to do. And there was nobody else in sight. Like at this point in the day, it was probably three thirty, four o'clock, but everybody had already headed back down. And like, we were very stretched out from the other people around us. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. So I just like stopped eating and just like tried to get some water down. But like, I could tell something was wrong with my throat. And, um, me and Stephanie, the way we hike, she's better at going up than I am. And I'm better at going down than she is. She has like a, a knee situation. Um, and so we're going down and we have like a mile left and she was like, just leave me. And I'm like, I'm not leaving you. And she was like, no, go on, leave without me. And, um, so I like walk on and she was like, if I'm not out by seven thirty, come back for me. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so I book it and I'm like trying to get out of there and I got out at like seven and I'm sitting there waiting for her and just like watching the time go. And I was like, I shouldn't have left her. I shouldn't have done it. What if she like passed out? What if she like broke her leg? You know, whatever. Um, and so at like seven twenty, I was fully preparing myself to like go back in to get her. And then at seven twenty eight, here she comes like hobbling out <laughs> and she looked so miserable and I'm like, we did it. And in fact, it did take us 13 hours. So if you're ever planning to hike Mount Katahdin, don't be deceived. It will take you as long as they say. Um, and we we camped again that night. I mean, we were so far from anywhere. But once we left the park, um, Baxter State Park, um, we stopped at the nearest CVS, Walgreens, whatever. And I went up to the pharmacist. And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm having an allergic reaction to something. And I don't know what she prescribed me. But she was like oh yeah, for sure. You're having an allergic reaction. So I don't know what, I don't know if it was the amount of bug bites or it was just what had bit me that made me Yeah, react. I have a few notes. <laughs> One, did you ever figure out what that bug was? They're all up there. Like I was just But talking, did you ever like Google it and figure out? It, it's some type of black bug, but they bite like crazy. But mm. I was just talking to one of my work friends. Her husband um, is about to do the whole thing. I think he's going no, but northbound. Okay. Um, so he's starting at Katahdin and I was telling her about this and she told me yesterday, she was like, yeah, I was telling him over the weekend and he didn't believe me about the time. He didn't believe me about the bugs. I'm like, I'm telling you, you have to Google it. These things are real. Um, but yeah, I don't know exactly what they are, but there's some type of black bug and oh man, they're no joke. Well, note number two, Okay. that was a silly little decision you made. To, 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 to split up. <laughs> she was, I, it was. I shouldn't, but you have to know stuff. She's like okay. very determined. And I mean, it was a conversation multiple times. I'm like, no, I'm not leaving you. No, I'm not leaving you. And she was finally like, just leave me. And like, we were both just at the very end of it. I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, she came hobbling out oh, just good. in time. I was I'm glad. Oh, I did not want to go back for her, but I would have. Mm -hmm. But that was um, silly. And then note number three. So people that hike from Georgia to Maine, that's like the very last thing that they have to do. Right. I'd be, I'd be done. I'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, what? But for a lot of people, for a lot of people, they're like, well, I've done 
the whole 2,000 plus miles before this. Like, this right. is nothing. But I think if I were to through hike, I would go Nobo, which is northbound, from Maine to Georgia instead of the other way around. Because right. Georgia's so easy. I feel oh, like- so sorry. No, so, yeah. Sorry, I said it okay. wrong. It's so- southbound, Sobo. Okay. No- you no- start in the north and you walk south. Yes. Okay. And then... Nobo would be starting in Georgia and going to Maine, northbound. Mm -hmm. And you would go south? I would. I would start in Maine and go to Georgia. No. Yes. Yes, that's what I would do. Because Springer is nothing compared to Katahdin. If you ever did that, I would meet you somewhere and do a little through hike with you. That is so sweet. I will never do that, I don't think, because I don't think I can take six months off of my life. Oh. Um, Maybe. I have friends who have done it. Yeah. It's really cool. But also being a female solo hiker really mm-hmm. freaks me out a little bit. One time I saw this really adorable documentary that really made me well. I know what you're about to say. Paul's say Boots. It. Oh no, it wasn't that way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a story about how this man um, had a dream of hiking the AT and he tragically died and his wife organized for hikers to pass along his boots and so although paul never got to hike the the at Mm. his boots did and so it's like it documented how different hikers passed his boots where it's like someone would carry his boots for x amount of miles and pass it to someone else to carry and so on and it made it all the way yeah that is it's called paul's boots if you're looking if you're trying to look it up the sweetest thing i know no the sweet documentary that i watched was about an entire family that through hiked together wow like the kids were homeschooled and it was, like, a mom and dad, and two of the kids were, like, teenager age. One was maybe, like, six or seven, and then there was, like, a toddler. And they got, a, like, a lot of flack for ta- – I mean, people, like, hate comments, like, why would you take your kids out there for blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, no, that is awesome. That is really cool. Like, mm-hmm. imagine the stories they have. And yeah. They, I just feel like kids who get outside have more grit mm-hmm. than kids who don't. Like, I think of my cousins, um, Jackson, Seth, and Emma, which you've met Emma if you've listened to episode six. Um, but I, like th- they grew up just being outside all the time, and I just really admire, like, their parents and just them for getting out there. Like, they are the toughest kids I've ever met, and I think it, it has a lot to do with hiking and being outside and doing outdoor activities so much. But I think that's really cool. Yeah. So back to you. Do you have any good outdoor well, stories? Well, I yeah. So I did think of a few hiking specific stories as you were telling your story, but they all were like less intense versions of the story <laughs> you just told. All of my all of my hiking experiences, like if if there's there's two things. It's either really tragic and intense and crazy things happen, or nothing happens at all, and they're just very generic and boring. Mm-hmm. One of my that was a. Uh, I I had a blast, but I do feel a little bit bad. I did subject my mother to a very hard hike, <laughs> and we didn't know it was going to be so hard. We hiked the, um, I think it's called the Precipice Trail in Acadia yeah. National mm-hmm. Park, and it was, so for the folks listening on audio, I'm 5'9", and just have like <laughs> quite a, a reach, and my cute little 5'4 mom, who is, you know, missing a few inches, mm-hmm. um, the Precipice Trail, similar to what Betsy just described I think in Maine. Me and Steph did that one because yeah. we also went to. Ca- you Acadia. are literally, yeah, it's like a two-mile hike, but you are, yes, you are ascending a mountain. There are like these metal rungs mm-hmm. and ladders yep. and like 
shuffling across a cliff and mm-hmm. it is really intense and I um I did make my mom do it and my mom and I were packing for this trip and she was like do I need to buy hiking shoes like how intense of hiking are we gonna do and I'm like no like you'll be fine in your tennis shoes and I really should have made her buy some hiking boots <laughs> but um but my mom we really almost turned back at one point because she was like I don't I don't know if I can do this but we hiked this we scaled this mountain and it was misting so it was, everything was like wet which added a whole nother element of danger and it was so cloudy we were in Acadia mm-hmm. for like three days and the first like two full days we were there it was so cloudy and we couldn't see a thing we like had our raincoats on the whole time but we were still making the best of it and we get to the top of this mountain and we're supposed to have this like really grand view and of course we can't see like two mm-hmm. feet in front of us what time of year was this september okay we went in august so mm-hmm. about the same yeah but then it was funny because on the third day we were there with the beautiful blue skies and we were like well dang this is what we've been missing mm-hmm. this whole yep. time mm-hmm. did y'all ride bikes in acadia um we didn't ride bikes in Acadia, but we rode bikes elsewhere in Maine. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was, like, one of my favorite things that mm-hmm. we did in Acadia. Like, I just feel like you get to see a lot. Um, and we also um, – I cannot think of the word right now. Um, not repelling. Yeah. Um, if you, like, I mean, are repelling down a mountain. Yeah, like down the essentially, s- but no, it was something else. Um, or maybe that was it. I don't know. We were, like, with you a guy. You told me about it. You – you go to this cliff and you ascend yes. down the side of the mountain on a rope and a carabiner. Rock climbing. But you were just going down. You weren't going up. Oh, no. You, you had to go, go down up. and come back up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was really fun. I like that. Well, but the going like, down part is repelling. Okay. So that would be repelling. And then you had to climb back up, climb back up with your little nubs. Mm-hmm. You know. Wow. Um, it was a lot of fun though. I like that. And I think it was so different in Maine too, because it wasn't just like a mountain, like it was a cliff, like underneath you was the ocean. Right. You know what I mean? Like you were totally yeah. safe, but it just like was different than ground being beneath you. I don't know. It was awesome. I loved it. So you love the outdoors, huh? Yeah. So we've been talking about <laughs> <Sorry>. nature. <laughs> what, what Mal wanted to talk about tonight, um, well, should we um, should we tell them that we took a hard left turn? Do you want to? <laughs> <laughs> you you go can ahead. you can cut this if you want. Okay. But we we did take a hard left turn because Betsy and I leading wait, up wait, to wait, this. Wait 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 wait. Oh okay. We have to go back before we tell this. We need to check in with your Sabbath journey. Oh yes. Just give us a quick little tidbit. Last time we talked, you were new to Sabbath. A couple times in. I, yeah, I'm still, um, enjoying my Sabbath experience. It has been, I still feel like a new Sabbather, but I mean, it's been over a month at this point. Um, and I will say there's been one or two weekends that I haven't Sabbathed because my cousin was in town or this, that or whatever. But, um, for the most part, it has been really nice. It's just been me intentionally trying to, you know, Stop, slow down, think of Jesus on a weekend. There and, you go. And yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Love Thanks that. for the follow-up. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody was wondering. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, last time we were together, when we left here, we said, oh, let's record another episode 
on in March, one month's time. In mm-hmm. one month's time, March twenty eighth. It must have, we must have recorded on like the end of February. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, because whatever it was, we were like, let's read Acts together and then talk about it because back in the day, yes, me and Mal, we might have talked about this on the last episode, but we during COVID, I well pre COVID. I had read through the Gospels during Easter, and then right after that, I guess in the midst of COVID, we were talking to each other, and I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to move on to Acts, and you're like, wait, can we read it together? Mm -hmm. And it started this whole thing. We would literally just say, okay, we're going to read chapters one through four this week, and then we're going to FaceTime on Tuesday, or whatever Mm -hmm. day it was, I don't remember. Um, And we did that for the book of Acts, and then we just kept going. And we actually went all the way through... The New Testament. The entire New Testament. And then we did Genesis. And then... Did we get to Exodus? I think Exodus is kind of what stopped us in our tracks, <laughs> if I'm being honest. We started the Old we tried. Testament. Yeah. We did go uh-huh. through Genesis, for sure. Um, but yeah, last time we were like, oh, we should do that again. Because, I mean, that was, mm-hmm. what, 2020? So 2020, three years ago. Yeah. Um, and last night... Yeah, last night I was like, Bets, um, I'm going to have to do some power reading. Like, I am not near. I think, I think I've your read- exact words were, I'm going to have to marathon this. And you never, <laughs> you said you would never do a marathon. <laughs> um, yes, so I was prepared to, like, really power read, yeah. marathon it through Acts. Because and, uh, I had read, like, five of the 28 chapters. <laughs> four of 28. <laughs> yeah. And we just didn't feel like that would be... Um, giving it our best and really taking it, the time no, to learn wouldn't. and soak mm-hmm. it in. So we said, you know what, swerve on that one. But something Mallory has been wanting to talk about yes. and share with the people. So uh, Betsy, Betsy actually posed the question as we were just discussing the opportunity of pivoting. <laughs> and she was like, what's something you're passionate about? And the environment is something that I'm passionate about. Passionate yes. about climate change and specifically also interested in how climate change and faith intersect yes Mm -hmm. you are very passionate about that and that's something that I've known about you almost from the beginning wow so where does your passion for that come from I think that it circles back to kind of what we were talking about about like being raised and growing up and living a lot of my life with really close access to nature Mm -hmm. and nature experiences my family would go camping every year we spent a lot of time you know at the lake or just outside um you know enjoying and appreciating nature um and so I think the 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 deep root of my love for environmentalism is my love for nature Mm -hmm. um and then I think that I in college just you know came to learn more about environmentalism and sustainability and climate change and it all the pieces just kind of you know click together yeah and isn't that your degree no i parks and rec yes yeah my degrees in parks and recreation um i think it would have been so cool to take you know more sustainability classes or in you know specifically like environmental type classes but um climate change is science and 
I'm not a science gal. (laughs) (laughs) But you did take a class in college, right? And you had, like, one of your projects, like, you... Maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like you told me this. You had to do something. It's when you started dabbling in veganism, right? You had to do a project, and so you ate vegan for, like, a little bit of time, and then it just... You just kept going. Um, It wasn't a class, but what spurred you're not exactly wrong okay um just a little bit wrong (laughs) (laughs) um what spurred the vegetarian into veganism kind of thing was I was involved in this like service club and I went on a um we called them alternative service experiences so it's just these like service trips um over school breaks and part of the service alternative service experience was that you tried your group would do their best efforts to be carbon neutral during that experience because there can be harm done in like a you know volunteerism kind of Mm -hmm. thing so we try to be carbon neutral And so one of the ways that we would offset our carbon footprint was by not eating meat. And then I was like, that's so interesting. I wonder why meat impacts carbon, your carbon footprint. And I just didn't know that that was really a thing. And I looked into it and I was like, wow, that's so important. And that's so cool. Um, And then I was like, well, I just didn't eat meat for a whole week. I think I'll keep it up. And like seven, eight years later, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. That's so interesting. You mentioned like how meat, eating meat impacts the environment. I did one of my highlights as a teacher. One of the things I did when I taught fifth grade is one of our, I can't remember if it was social studies or science standards, but talked about like environmental impact. And then I merged it with some of our, our math standards. And so they had this whole project of like digging deeper into like what impacts the environment and things like that. But also math was included. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things I showed them was a video and we, we just kind of like posed this question, like how do you think animals, you know, impact the environment and blah, blah, blah. So we had like this discussion and they were like, yeah, I don't really know. Or they had some really crazy ideas. They were fifth graders, but then they watched this video of how, the whole the whole system yeah like leads to and i don't really know what i'm trying to say here because i also don't have a science degree or understand a lot about climate change but it was just barely scratching the surface but just very interesting to learn about Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah as a believer why do you think or do you think god cares about the way that we treat the planet and the earth yes so much yes um i mean in genesis right that's where my mind goes yeah god you know creates man and he you know puts puts adam and eve in the garden and um you know commands them to steward their resources and the plants animals and everything and it it is a it is a a command that God gives mm-hmm. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden um, right. to take care of the planet. Yeah, I was um, actually looking at this last night when we swerved on Acts because I was starting to think about, because this is something that I love the outdoors 
and I love nature and creation, but rarely do I think about the way that I interact with it or the way that I, like like my daily things, like we were just talking about, I made for dinner, since Mallory is vegan vegetarian, I made these really delicious vegan crab cakes that Mm -hmm. I make all the time anyways. Um, But it has chickpeas and hearts of palm in it. And Mallory, (laughs) I said, have you ever had hearts of palm? And she said, well, yes, I have eaten them, but I don't eat them anymore. And I'm like, oh, no. Why? What happened? But explain to me. Yes. um, So the extraction of hearts of palm and the extraction of palm oil, um, those are things that come from palm trees. Right. Lead to is one of the leading causes of rainforest deforestation. And I didn't know that my can of hearts of palm was... Like, it's little things like that that I do not think of. Like, all the products that I buy. And I think it's very difficult to be fully 100%. Like, you drove a car here, Oh, for sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so it's, like, hard to be 100%. But I think being friends with you two has, like, made me think more about it but still not often as I should probably yeah um I mean to jump to a main point here I think one of the best things that you can do when it comes to climate change is just talk about it Mm -hmm. so Betsy there's nothing wrong with the fact that you bought a can (laughs) of of, hearts of palms I'll honestly probably do it again and you'll do it again and that's okay but it is something that you know having little conversations in everyday life about things like that or you know me choosing to be vegetarian and vegan um, or me choosing any of the sustainable choices that I might make and then someone says oh that's interesting like why are you vegetarian or oh I didn't know that hearts of palm were bad for the environment or etc like it's just those little conversations in everyday life that get people's mindset to shift and to change um because you not buying hearts of palm or whatever or you eating meat is not is not going to do anything it's not even going to be a drop in the bucket it's Mm -hmm. it's just not and that hurts my heart as a vegan to know that like (laughs) my personal actions don't actually make that big of a difference but it's like the collective it's the yeah it's the collective as my um, friend Sam would say, 99 is not 100. There you go. Mm-hmm. So. So, I mean, I do, I do think it's a balance between, like, personal action and community action. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying that it, it doesn't matter because, you know, me making choices that I do could turn around to impact someone else and someone else and someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that does matter, but me being vegan alone is not going to solve the climate crisis. Yeah. Do you think everyone should be vegan? No. You shouldn't? No, I don't. And I think that if... Well, I mean, I wasn't going to be vegan, but I'm just saying, do you think people should? Um, I think that people should make greater efforts if you are able to eat lower down the food chain which is okay not eating meat or dairy or whatever which is eating your your vegetables and mm-hmm. your your vegan foods mm-hmm. um because it's like 
I know, I feel like this is about to contradict what I just said, but you know, the little steps can add up or it's like a lifestyle change. Um, I think that one of the bigger problems with meat consumption is that we overproduce meat. And this Mm. is where like, I think that as a Christian, we're not stewarding our resources well because we are treating cattle like products and items for consumption that don't have life or purpose. I mean, I know that animals don't have souls like humans have souls, but like we're not treating. Yeah. Like cows are just being mass produced like no one's business and or like someone's business. Or like someone's business. <laughs> That's right. Um, and I think that if we, like, there's just a million times more cows on the earth than yeah. the earth can sustain. So if we all scaled back the amount of beef that we ate and had an appropriate amount of cows mm-hmm. for the resources that we have, then. Like naturally occurring cows. Naturally occurring <laughs> cows, yeah. In the mm-hmm. wild. Yes. Do you, okay, so you mentioned that things that have life and like mass producing them and I just want to go here for a second. Do you think that your Brussels sprouts have life when they are rooted and planted in the ground? Because they also don't have souls. No, they don't. And life is a stretch on that one, Betsy, (laughs) but I don't think that Brussels sprouts have souls or are life- Um, but it is like the greater idea of like creation care and it's not like humans standing on a pyramid above all other Mm -hmm. things like it is this interwoven love and care for all creation and that's creation from the small cells to the Brussels sprouts, to the cows, to your brother and sister in Christ. Like mm-hmm. it's it's care for all creation, mm-hmm. not just one thing or another. Yeah. So if we go back to the Genesis story, like like we know that God created everything. He yes. created mm-hmm. night and day. He created the planet. He created the birds, the fish, all of the things, right? And... See, here's, here's where my mind gets, like, slipped up in what you just said. Because when we look at Genesis... Hold on, let me go there. It's in Genesis 1 towards the end. Where God made man, and he said, that's, that's very good. Well, yes, and he did. And he says that creation is good. Yeah, that's not where I was going, okay. but I'm glad you brought that up. I know. You can get that. <laughs> okay, here it is. In verse 26... It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So like in verse 26, God's like, let us and I think that's so interesting too when it says God said let us he's like talking to Mm -hmm. the son and the holy spirit as well so he tells them exactly like hey let's do this and then exactly what he told them he tells Adam and Eve man and woman whatever 
to fill the earth and subdue it and then rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. So when I read that, and maybe this is like misinterpreted, twisted scripture or whatever, but like, let's talk about the difference between like rule over and subdue, but also care for. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I guess what what is the difference, do you think, of rule over and subdue? Like when God tells man to do that. I'm not sure that there's much of a difference between rule over and subdue. Like the definition of subdue here is to bring under control or to overcome. So I'm going to Google it while you're thinking. I think that those that like what I'm saying and what you're saying and what scripture is saying are all overlapping here. Like Mm -hmm. I don't think any of these ideas are mutually exclusive that like, yes, we can rule over and have this autonomy over our land and resources mm-hmm. while also making decisions that are best for the planet. Mm-hmm. Like, Because the planet is also God's creation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so to not abuse or take advantage of or harm, because what the actions we're taking right now are outright harming the planet. Mm -hmm. And that's not what we're not being stewards of our resources Mm -hmm. by doing that. Even though we do, you know, quote unquote, have control over them, but we're controlling them in a way that's manipulating Mm -hmm. what we're given. For some people who might not, like your shirt says, give a damn. Sure does. (laughs) What would you say to those people, um, whether they are believer, non-believer, whatever, what would you say to them in regards to caring for our planet and moving forward day after day? I have a few things to say. You can say more than Um, one. And one of those things that putting my environmental hat on (laughs) that may not completely align with my faith hat Uh Um, because I don't think this is what Jesus would do but this is what what Mallory would do (laughs) (laughs) we might cut this from the pod well it's it's truth I mean for you it is truth for me that um, if I'm being honest I think there's like 10 or 15 percent of the U.S. population that are like climate deniers and oh. and we just leave them in the dust. Mm-hmm. Like I I don't I just feel like you're someone who believes so strongly that the science and the facts behind climate change are not real. I don't I, I don't need I don't need that person to in order to like make policy change or to x y and z. Uh-huh. Like there are some people that you may never convince. Oh, right. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'll sleep at night knowing that. <laughs> but I think it is, like, pouring resources and energy and information and knowledge into, like, that middle chunk of people who are potentially, like, alarmed or concerned or, like, understand that climate change is real and they just, like, don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um or don't know if there is anything to do about it or if there's action that could or should be taken, etc. 
but yeah, I, I think that there's like multiple, multiple things here. One is just to like act lovingly, like act lovingly to nature, act lovingly to your neighbor, to the land, the earth, like just all of creation, all of creation. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think that acting individually can also, you know, it can be that butterfly effect that we talked about Mm -hmm. of, I make these decisions in my personal life and it could influence X, Y, and Z, et cetera. Um, But also just talking about it and sharing your knowledge with the next person and, um, you know, doing what you can to learn and to... But then I think one of the biggest things that is something that scares people or where, like, some people's climate action stops um is the idea of like acting more comprehensively which would be like calling your senator and telling them to endorse (laughs) a bill about climate change or um supporting corporations that have sustainable goals and practices or not supporting corporations that don't um or yeah like putting your money where where your mouth is and you know choosing to support things that better the planet mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't know there's there's no one right next step or but I think that the, the thing is that everyone has to keep taking steps mm-hmm. next steps take a next step whatever that is for you yeah um so speaking of next steps, what do you think are three three swaps a person could make throughout their day to be more environmentally friendly? Just off the off the top of the old noggin. Um I do love a reusable bag. Okay, perfect. There's mm-hmm. one. I think another swap that is kind of a mindset swap is just the idea of like refusal mm-hmm. of if you're, you know, at a grocery store and you just bought two things, you can be like, no, I don't need a bag for those. I'll just there carry them out. Or no, thanks. I don't need a straw. I'll just drink from the glass. Or no, I don't need X. I don't need a paper receipt. I don't know. Whatever those yeah. like little acts of refusal. Okay. That's one. That's good. Um, and another swap could be being more intentional with your loads of laundry. Okay. Like you don't need to wash your jeans every wash. You <laughs> can make sure that you're max or like most efficiently loading your your laundry. Yeah. I don't know. Those no. are just off the dome. Who knows yeah. <laughs> if, how much that actually impacts. No, those are great. And I, I'm proud to say that I do... Those All things. three of those, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you don't have to wash your jeans everywhere. Do you wash your jeans everywhere? Absolutely not. Okay, good, good. No, and that makes One that's not good for too. your jeans, two, it's, right. you don't need to. You don't need to. Um, I do, and there's probably some environmental impact here, but I do have the Tide antibacterial spray that I'll spray them go. down. But I have heard that people put them in their freezer. Freezer, yep. My roommate, it, my old roommate, 
um, she used to have this gallon size Ziploc bag that just for jeans that said freezer jeans on it, <laughs> and she would put her jeans in the freezer. Mm-hmm. So does that like kill any bacteria? Yeah, or yeah like... that's exactly what it does. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. But yeah, probably definitely put them in a bag so it doesn't smell like food. Yeah. Um, additionally, mm-hmm. one other, you know, note for the brain is that, and this this is like directly tied to faith is that climate change you know, disproportionately affects marginal communities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing that people in poverty are the most vulnerable to impact climate change. Um, and that, I mean, it just circles back to by caring for the planet, we can care for the marginalized because it is all just like a big cycle of, if we had better cared for the planet, we wouldn't be putting these marginal communities in such risk of extreme weather, mm-hmm. etc. So the the impacts of climate change on our planet are disproportionately affecting the right. poor. And as Christians, that is something that we should also care about. Right. And by caring for the planet and creation... Therefore, you are caring for other people and loving other people, which is... Because we all share this one good old Mother Earth. (laughs) Mother Earth or Father God? Both. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for talking to us about climate change and environmental impact now. Can I make one more statement? You can. Okay. You can cut out the part where I asked to make one more statement. (laughs) I'm leaving it in. Um... Just to, I think that Betsy and I talked a lot on this episode about personal action. And I just want to put a little, you know, nugget out there that like eco anxiety is like a very real thing. Uh-huh. And like people, like the thought of the planet dying is really like anxiety and depression inducing for a lot of people and mm-hmm. like eco and eco anxiety is like a very real thing wow. and that's real and I just want to validate that that if thinking about climate change like really stresses you out like you're not alone in that and that is okay but there's this other part you know of our identity that like as Christians we have this eternal hope and we have this hope in god Mm -hmm. um that like part of fighting climate change and choosing environmentalism is that we can learn to you know hold this despair like intention with Mm -hmm. our hope in god um and you know the feeling of overwhelming fear about the severity of the problems, you know, intention with understanding that hope is really important in order to like take that action and like combat that fear. So like what's stronger than fear? Hope and love. Mm-hmm. And it's the fact that I care deeply about the planet, but I have this hope in God that mm-hmm. that drives me to to act and to care for my planet. Yeah. Never thought about it like that. That's good. Well, 
Do you have one more joke for us to close it out? Preferably uh, an earth or a nature joke. Oh, man. I would have came prepared had I known. Um. Hey, Betsy. How does a beaver care for the earth? Um. He gives a damn! Ah! <laughs> Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Valley and View. Don't forget, Valley and View is now streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. So whatever platform you or your friends prefer, head there and click follow. Links to each of these platforms can be found in the show notes. As always, we've got a Spotify playlist for you this month. Our April playlist is now available, so whether you click the link in the show notes or search Valley plus View on Spotify, be sure to click the plus sign to add this month's playlist or any of our playlists to your own personal library. Also in the show notes, we've listed any resources like scripture, books, podcasts, songs, or anything else we've mentioned in this episode. Whether you're in the valley, at the view, or somewhere in between, keep on hiking and we'll see you next time.